0: the asian boxing podcast scott and colin scott we are back it has been forever i think what thanksgiving when we last spoke
1: it was possibly a week before that yeah around there oh it's been a while
0: we had so much food and we were, we just went to slumber we went into a long long slumber but we are back scott how have you been
1: I've been not too bad other than a
0: bit of a soft rot over Christmas. Yourself? Doing well. Just working. And now we have come together. We really didn't miss that much because of the lull that we've had here over the past month. But it's oh, it's going to really stir up. And there's so much news and there's so much to get to. Obviously, those New Year's fights in Japan, that, that probably would have been something that we could have covered. But other than that, it's been pretty, uh, pretty dead recently. Um, it's AsianBoxing.info. So you want to learn, watch, uh, keep up with all of the different Asian boxers, Asian fighters around the world. Uh, It's asianboxing.info. Scott does an excellent job of putting up videos, writing articles, giving you the latest news on what's going on. But first, let's get to our results. What happened this past weekend? Akhmadalyev, let's start with him becoming a world titleist, a world champ in just his eighth fight. Incredible, Scott. Yeah,
1: not only is he become a world champion, he's now probably the man of the Super Bantleweight division, taking up the WBA and IBF titles. It was a close fight. It was a fantastic fight with Daniel Roman. Both guys played the part. High-skilled, high-speed chess, both men, fantastic fighters. And in the end, I think the judges got it right. I think Art did deserve the win, even though whatever he was doing for the 12th round was just bizarre. The next fight for Ahmad Daliyev will likely be Riske Iwasa in an IBF mandatory. And there's talk of that heading over to Uzbekistan of all places um, for Ahmad Daliyev to have a homecoming defense.
0: So for Uzbekistan, he is their first world champ?
1: He's not, actually. I think he's the third. The um, most notable of those so far has been Ruslan Shagaev. Who was the heavyweight champion for a little bit. They've also had Atta Gregorian, a fighter from way back in the nineties, I believe, who's the Dewey B champion at lightweight, or super featherweight. But he's the first one since Chagaev.
0: And a great accomplishment, adding to his already great career. Just a very impressive amateur background, and then just in your eighth fight to do it against a guy who, you know, was a great world champ as well and then of course getting two titles unifying those titles uh Danny Roman Uh, I think Roman still has a bright future um and both these guys just their stock rose after this fight
1: it's one of those, yeah like you said both guys have improved reputations no matter whether they won or lost a bit like Roman's win over TJ Deheny last year Deheny's reputation soared because of his performance in a loss. Roman's again increasing because of a loss. ant increasing because of a fantastic win against a fantastic fighter. Everyone's a winner.
0: Everyone wins when you make fights that are challenging. And sometimes that doesn't happen in boxing, but uh, it did last week. Also, a fight that happened... Uh, This past week, or four days ago, we had a IBF World Minimum Weight title, and uh, this was in Mexico. We got to see the Filipino, Pedro Taduran, draw it out against Daniel Vallardes. This was
1: one of those fights where (laughs) you're not happy about how it ends. Uh, There was a head clash in the first round, Valadares was cut, and the judges... uh... Played their part after four rounds when the referee called a halt to the bout. But rounds three and four of this were just amazing. Absolutely oh, all-action intense war. It's just a real shame it curtailed the way it did and left uh, Tadurin with his first defense in a very inconclusive manner.
0: But, I mean, he, at least he gets to keep the title, right? He gets to keep it. Do you think they rematch? Do they go back out there and fight this one, or is Tadurin going to move on to a different opponent?
1: Selfishly, I want him to rematch because
0: I really enjoyed the fight.
1: Uh, I think the reality is that Tadon's probably going to head back home, head back over to Asia and make a defense, possibly against Renato or Mel in Jerusalem. Fingers crossed Valadar does get another shot, though, because he's, he's a really good fight himself, and it'd be a shame if this is his only chance for a while. Uh,
0: another fight that ended in a draw, and gosh, draws are so in- frustrating. Seiya uh, Kazuki... Nakajima, this was a bantamweight bout at Korokan Hall. That uh, majority decision draw, but really, was it the right decision? We actually had three draws on this card, but this was the worst
1: of the bunch. Seya Tsutsumi seemed seemed to win the first four rounds quite easily. He seemed to win the last two rounds. Uh, The only one that Nakajima won for sure was, I believe, the sixth. It was never a draw. Not in a month of Sundays, but Nakajima got bailed out. What made it all the more worse is this is actually a tournament final for the God's Left Bunt White Tournament. And because Nakajima got the majority point rule uh, from the card that was in his favor, he won a very large financial check and a very nice watch. Uh, but yeah, he he didn't deserve any of it. It seemed he deserved the win. It was one of the worst decisions in a Japanese ring in a while. It was so bad that social media... Fans from Japanese fans, fight fans, they called that decision. It's rare you see them do that, but they were very unhappy about this one.
0: It's not a very Japanese-like thing to do. Me being half Japanese, usually our people, we we like to uh, you know sit back and respect and be like, all right, you know, I could see where he won that, or you know, oh, it was close, it was close, so we could see where the judge went that way. But not this time.
1: This wasn't close. This was an absolute robbery. Um,
0: you got to feel sorry for
1: Satsumi. He put the perfect game plan against a man who many expected to actually stop him. So,
0: And he missed out on a watch.
1: And a large financial check as well. God. I think someone said it was a million yen prize. So,
0: Yeah, that's more than just a win or a loss. Uh, I I think that money could definitely have, have helped him. One more fight we want to go over... Obara versus Nagano. Kita Obara, we've seen him kind of come overseas and do his thing. And uh, now he was back in Japan and uh, picking up another big title victory, Japanese welterweight title victory over Nagano.
1: This was the first champion kind about this year. Uh, The the series where Japanese champions face their mandatory challenges over the first six months of the year. Um, Obara is one of the biggest names involved in that series this year, I think he's dominated poor Nagana. Nagana gave it his all he was tough, he was brave he kept marching forward but I think we've also seen Barra look alright kind of not quite world level but alright and he looked far 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 too good for Nagana, who just walked into shots time and time again, he was broken down and mercifully stopped by Vinnie Martin
0: it just shows you the levels that there are to to the boxing game that uh, Obara, when he you know has come over here, maybe has looked a little outclassed, but then he, he goes back to Japan, and especially at the welterweight class in Japan, he kind of dominates.
1: Yeah, he's a bit stuck between a rock and a hard place. He could either dominate in Japan and the Oriental scene, but not make much of a name for himself, or he can go abroad and... Get beat at fringe world level, world title level. And he's unfortunate that he's not really got an, an equal domestically. Him versus Yoshihiro Kamagai would have been fantastic. But Kamagai's not retired. Barra's left without anyone to really test him domestically.
0: It's tough w- with the higher weight classes in Japan. They're just not as competitive as we see when you go lower. And, gosh, you see the wealth of talent that Japan has at those lower weight classes. Um, It's Asianboxing.info. Scott and Colin back after a long, long hiatus. There is a fight coming up this weekend. And it's with a man who has some hiatuses himself. Gary Russell Jr., the American who wows with his speed... But Boars with his lack of fighting, uh, he's fighting King Tug. And I only say King Tug because it's so hard to pronounce his real name. But that's his nickname. And King Tug, Uh very, very impressive amateur career, just like Russell, going to be uh, fighting for the title.
1: Russell Jr. is the reason we get away with these long breaks. Hey, if he can do it, we can do it. Um. Yeah, it's a really interesting about it's the mandatory for Russell. Uh, he's not fought in over either. in close to a year. His competition since winning the title has been fairly pathetic. Uh, on his way up, he looked sensational. Let's not get this wrong. Until he lost to Lomachenko, he looked amazing. His win over Johnny Gonzalez sensational. Since winning that title almost five years ago, he has I don't want to say done nothing, but he's done so little a winner of uh, Jojo Diaz, a winner of Oscar Escandon. Good wins. Wins over Patrick Highland and 2019 version of Kiko Martinez. Who cares? He's held the title for five years and had two good defences. Uh, King Turgo, on the other hand, has himself had hiatuses. He's done damage to tendons in his hand. He's only fought once a year for the last two years. But... It's one of those where I don't think the inactivity is going to play the issue due to the fact that both have been so inactive. Who wins this, Scott? Going to go with Russell Jr. Just. I think his speed will be the difference, but he might be dropped at some point. Nambia, King Tug, can hit hard enough to really get his respect, but I think I think Russell Jr.'s speed may be the difference in a very, very close fight.
0: Just he's so fast. He's so quick and incredibly fun to watch. I love watching Gary Russell Jr. when he fights, but again, that's that's very, very rare. We get to see him about once a year, and that's the problem. You can't just fight once a year. I mean, we get mad at people fighting twice a year or three times a year. We want them to fight more, but when you fight once, it's just, it is not great for the fans or, or your fans it's hard to build a base when you're fighting once a year same for king tug right i mean he's had impressive moments but again having those hiatuses and what you know some being due to injury which you can't really help it, it's hard to build a fan base when you're not in the ring
1: it's hard to build any momentum uh, you mentioned How you enjoy watching Russell Jr. in events once a year. I love Christmas. Can we have two or three Christmases in a year, please? Ooh,
0: Gary Russell is like Christmas. It makes sense.
1: (laughs) Sure, that's what you took from that.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I took from that, that he comes once a year and uh, we enjoy it, but then he goes away and we have to wait another year. Uh, Kento Hatanaka, his next bout, possibly... On a streaming service, Scott, there's some news around that. At the
1: moment, uh, CBC, who we have worked with in the past, have got Kento Hatanaka's bout with Roland J. B and listed on one of their affiliate YouTube channels. At the moment, it's not been confirmed they will be live streaming it, but it does seem that way, at least for a Japanese audience or those using a VPN. Um, we're trying to get confirmation at the moment as to whether that will be a global stream or not. But fingers crossed because Kento Hatanaka.
0: Yes, please. Can we somehow make that fight available to the fans on Asianboxing.info? I sign up for that right away. Other news um, around the boxing world, Asian boxing world. We'll get to the big one, but this is also pretty, pretty big. Daigo Higa, he about to come back.
1: Higa will be back in just over a week's time when he faces Jason Buena Obra of the Philippines. This will be Higa's first bout since he lost the WBC flyweight so title to Christopher Rosales almost two years ago. Um, He's having to fight a bantamweight, that's 119 pounds uh, for this bout, and it's it looks an easy one on paper. He looks like he's taking on, you know. Your typical Filipino import, the guy that won't fight but will come to win, and this, that, and the other. In reality, Buena Obra is the only man to have gone the distance with hot-shot prospect, Carl Yamas-Martin. He's not a pushover. He might lack the skills needed to compete with Higa, but he'll he'll show his resilience, he'll show toughness, and it will be very impressive if Higa stops him here.
0: This one's very interesting because Higa was looking like he was the next guy, right? I mean, up until that loss to Rosales, he was, you know, what, Inoue and Tanaka. And it's like, oh, Higa's the next big thing. And really, he was sparking all of his competition. So you thought, yeah, this is the next guy. It will be interesting to see how he comes back after the long layoff and a huge, like you said, gain in weight. How is he going to be in the ring?
1: Yeah, he's not looked good in the little bit of footage that was released from training either. Um, whether or not that's just releasing little bits of footage that doesn't look that impressive, or whether he is perhaps showing a lot more rust in training, but it's going to be really interesting. It's not as easy as it looks. One way, he's fighting seven pounds heavier than he was. It's an interesting assignment for Higa, um, but when he should come on top of have to work for
0: it why do you think he took such a long layoff was it the embarrassment of the loss the fact that you know he came in overweight he gets knocked out just so many things happened with that loss and especially before because when you look at him before he was just dominating is that why he had such a long layoff
1: he actually got one of the indefinite suspensions from the Japanese Boxing Commission. And for almost a year after that, he didn't think about boxing. He seemingly didn't want to do it anymore. And then his family and friends and people around said, Dude, why don't you go back? And went back to the gym last year and got back into shape, convinced the JBC that, you know, he was reformed, so to speak. They took his uh, suspension off at the end of last year. He's now ready for this one, so. There's mostly suspension, and I
0: guess he kind of felt all over the spot as well. JBC does not mess around. That's what I've learned.
1: They don't let you the comedians, then uh, they got themselves into a bit of trouble.
0: No, no, that's that's very true. But for the most part, they don't mess around. It, it's very different when you look at their strictness compared to a lot of other commissions around the world. They're just like, oh, got caught for steroids? Oh, You could go and fight six months later or, oh, you know, you weighed in a couple pounds over. Ah, come back. It's refreshing to have a commission, you know, lay down their fist and and be strict because it it deters people from messing with the rules.
1: Yeah, even when people get involved in out the ring things where perhaps they've been arrested for an issue with an assault on fray, they're still getting the license taken off of them. If this was the US you'd end up with a very different picture, I guess. Uh Javonta Davis's recent situation is very um interesting. If that was in Japan he probably wouldn't have a license until whatever charges were dropped or he was cleared of whatever the offences were. But the JBC see the sport as a sort of responsibility. It's something that they need to keep clean and it'd be really nice to see other countries try and fall suit.
0: Yeah, you would get a lot more, I think, rule-abiding boxers who aren't going to take steroids and who are going to make weight when you have a commission that really um, sticks to the rules and then punishes you and shows that there's consequences for not uh, keeping up with those rules. All right, Scott, we've teased the fans long enough because the big, big news deals with just the monster, and not that monster. This guy's just a monster in the ring. It is Kosei Tanaka, Mr. KO. What's uh, what's he going to be doing, Scott?
1: Tanaka recently announced that he has vacated the or flyweight title holding a big press conference. In, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. And then stating that his intention was to challenge either Juan Francisco Estrada or Kazuto Ayoka um, later this year. So yeah, Tanaka wants to become the quickest fighter to win four weight classes. He is chasing immortality, I guess you could say. He didn't really seem to give a crap as to where he's getting the titles from as long as they're from good fighters, as long as he's beating top guys. And it's been a really exciting rise to the ranks for him. The issue is it doesn't seem like he's going to get his shot immediately. It seemed like the end of the year is what they were talking about. So expect him to have one tune-up battle, super flyweight in the summer, then potentially get either Estrada or Ioka in December.
0: I mean, he needs it, right? Because it's really amazing to see him just continue to go up and up and up. But you need at least, I think, one fight there. To get your feet wet in, in a new division,
1: we've seen him do it in the past. Uh, when he fought uh, Rene Petalano and Ronnie Baldonado, they both saw genot of fights at the new weight. So I think he knows he needs that, even though he's actually technically the dubi Bio mandatory for Ioka, It makes more sense to just get that one belt under the, under the belt and take what you can from that. Just an extra time to
0: adapt at the new weight. There was speculation that. Flyweight was hard for him to make.
1: We thought that after the Jonathan Gonzalez fight, and then he basically said there was no problems making weight, but his father trainer seemed to think that he'd be better at 115 pounds. So he is the WBO super champion. I was the WBO super champion at flyweight, which allows him basically come back down for a shot when he or if he doesn't make 115 pounds very well so he's at the door open there and had this chance at superfly weight I,
0: I guess that was my next question for you scott what do you think is his cap i mean can he go past superfly weight obviously we we have yet to see if he could even you know do well in that weight class but is bantamweight a possibility
1: it's funny. A few years ago, uh, him and Noe Inoue were at an award ceremony together, and he actually looked bigger than Inoue, So I say it's certainly possible. There's not a significant size difference between Tanaka and the monster. So White yeah, that's probably not for a few years though.
0: Okay, so Kosei, Tanaka and Inoue just get it, get in there, please. If we, the, the Japanese super fight to end all super fights, we would love that.
1: What's rather interesting is Tanaka and Raul's round to our previous story. Muradur and both lost to Jed Bonier in the same amateur tournament in 2013. So maybe there's not that much size difference between him and Akhmedaliev.
0: Okay. It all comes together. It all comes together. All the the history, the past history between everyone coming back together. But I'm, uh, gosh, I can't wait. I mean, Tanaka is one of my favorite fighters in the sport to watch and just to see him continue to chase greatness he's not afraid of it it's something that fuels him it's inspiring
1: it's something we're seeing a lot more of as well I think we're seeing that with the Uzbeks I think we're seeing it with the Japanese I think it's we've seen it with the Ukrainians as well I think it really has an excitement to the sport that we're perhaps missing for a few years
0: who can be the fastest to do this or do that yeah it's something that they want to challenge themselves as quickly as possible. And it is refreshing because I think, especially here in America, it's almost the, the opposite. All right, he needs some seasoning. We, we need to wait. You know, it's not his time yet. Let's wait till they're 40 to fight. You know, I'm. Mean, I it's it's the complete opposite attitude.
1: It's even more night when they're champions
0: as well. They didn't try to really need to fight Luke Keeler. What did that serve? It just hurt hurts your career because it's another fight that people don't like, that people don't want to watch. And then uh, next time Andrade fights, they're they're going to be like, ah, oh, I mean, we saw his last fight; it wasn't very exciting, so we're not going to watch this next one.
1: Test yourself. You only got so many fights in you. Go for the bigger ones. Don't waste your time with stay busy fights left, right, and center. The stay busy fight has its purpose, but don't use it when you're when you're a world champion. The, it do not help anybody.
0: I agree. I agree, Scott. And I think uh, much of the boxing world would agree with you as well. It's Asianboxing.info, the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. And some other exciting news, probably not even – yeah, it's not related to boxing at all. But we have a Patreon. So you can – Yay, Patreon. It's it's just what everyone's doing now. And uh we're we're getting with the times, right? Scott, Dare you assume we just follow trends. Ha. Huh. <laughs> we're hipsters, man. We don't we don't do that Patreon.
1: Didn't until last month, and now we do. So with that said, a giant thanks to Clement, uh Dominic James, Marcus, and Nadim, and Tim for helping do what we do with their financial backing thank you guys
0: (laughs) no yeah thank you that's awesome Scott maybe for those who haven't signed up yet what do you get if you become a patreon member with Asian boxing
1: at the moment you get a email with some content that isn't available on the site you get to ask questions on our wonderful podcast you lucky people Um, and you also get included on the videos we have started producing for the website including news videos and a weekly conversation piece that we have at the moment. But yeah, there are more benefits being launched in the future when we finally get around to adding the forum members uh, section of the website.
0: Scott, you you need to make some shirts. I think shirts would go a long way for the Patreons.
1: There's actually a big shout out to my friend Sean, who sent me two really good shirts last year.
0: Ooh, there you go shirts caps keychains we can go on and on we do have a question though from uh one of our members right scott
1: we do from marcus who wanted to know um what was next for Sumi and nakajima after their draw at the um last week
0: what's next besides a riot because it was a horrible decision
1: what next apart from chasing up the judges with uh pickaxes uh we mentioned a rematch would make sense, and I think that's probably a bit too reasonable of a sport at times. Uh, for my money, Satsumi would be better off dropping down in weight. I think he's a much better super flyweight than he is bantamweight. I think that's where his power is better. I think size-wise he's better there. I think if he did drop down, he'd be immediately in the mix for um, regional and national honours. As for Nakajima... Polishing, so much polishing needed. He is just too upright. He's too rigid. Fantastic puncher. But you can see what he's doing. You can see how his mind works way too far in advance. He is lining up that straight left hand every opportunity he gets. And he can't handle lateral movement. He can't handle fighters coming in and out. He needs to work on that if he's too on to advance onto the next level. Um, luckily for him, he is at the Ohashi gym, so learning how to deal with movement wouldn't be a problem. You would imagine being there with Takuma Inoue, Noya Inoue, Katsuki Mori, and then them guys show how to cope with that sort of movement because they are fantastic
0: movers. See, that's what you're going to get. If you ask a question, you will get a thorough answer from Scott. Coffee, thorough enough. No, that was a great answer, Scott. Um, So, yeah, make sure to sign up if you'd like to uh, get all those things that Scott mentioned. It's Asianboxing.info. You don't have to sign up if you just want to go on the site and just, you know, look at videos, listen to the podcast, read about Asian boxing. It's all there. And, uh, yeah, it's been the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. You better buckle up strap in because it is about to get crazy we have a lot lot more coming your way and uh yeah i think i think the boxing world the boxing scene is really gonna start to ramp up over these next couple weeks
1: it certainly seems like there's a lot coming up there's a
0: a real change a
1: real shift in um how things are going to be going over the next few weeks it's just a shame that for whatever reason there's only five Japanese shows in the entire February, and we've already had two of them. It's just a weird hole in the calendar over there, but other events are obviously uh, making up for that. We've got you know, Tyson Fury coming back. We've got the Shokimura fight in the Philippines. There's a lot going on, even if it's not necessarily in Japan for the next few weeks. And, of course, the issues with uh, coronavirus, cost and several events,
0: asianboxing.info the asian boxing podcast scott and colin we'll talk to you next week